what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I am your other co-host, Ryan Buell. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Um, this week, we're joined by Corey Tyndall. Hello, Before and After Show peeps. Hey, how's it going, Corey? Good. Good. Um, yeah, Corey is the former co-host of the Before and After Show and the current mm-hmm. co-host, or the current host of Game Space over on the Real Perspective YouTube channel, um, which is also... Yeah. The channel that I am a part of uh, with Mike Moray. Um, so yeah, Corey Corey was a, a, a part of this journey for about a year, and then he moved to Indiana, um, where they have dramatic car chases that end in cornfields. <laughs> yes. Um, did you, did <laughs> you see that? Time. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, there was a car chase in Indiana yesterday, and it ended in a cornfield. And I was like, of course it did. It was in Indiana. Mm. Uh, no, I, I was guess like, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of corny. Uh, Nope. There we go. I love it. There we go. Um, But yeah, Corey, welcome back. It's always good to uh, get the band back together. It is. It's always fun to do this. Yeah. Um, And with that, uh, Corey is here to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming because I feel like we would stop being friends if I didn't have Corey (laughs) on a podcast about Spider-Man. Yeah, I I was telling some people, I'm like... You know, sometimes I will guest on, like, different things, but there's a couple things I'm locked into for Before and After Show, which I assume is Spider-Man, possibly Star Wars, and Jurassic World at this oh, point. Oh, yeah, you so. got to come back for Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. That was called? Yes, the worst. <sighs> Life finds a way, MJ. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that, didn't, I, that wasn't actually at you, Corey. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> When they released that movie poster, like, last week or whatever, I, like, immediately, like, tweeted it at MJ. It's true. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, uh, but before we get started, we're going to talk about what we've been consuming. Uh, Corey, what have you been consuming recently? I know you've been pretty busy, but if you have time yes. to do anything, play anything, read anything, watch anything. Uh, I have been pretty busy. I'm taking... Uh, some classes right now, so feels weird being back in school. So I've been, like, stupid busy. But the few things here and there that I've got to consume, I guess, you know, uh, video game-wise, just still playing stuff on my Switch. So, like, Mario Kart, that's always great. Oh, man. And um, I guess anything of, like, new and noteworthiness is The Killers recently released a new track. Mm-hmm. Uh they have a new album coming out after five years. It's called Wonderful, Wonderful. And they oh. released a track called The Man. And it's kind of been my groove. It's kind of been my jam for, like, the past, like, couple weeks. It's nice. just, yeah. So that's been really sweet. It's, like, kind of the killers do David Bowie yeah, a little it bit. Hmm. It's it's really great. So I'm excited for their new album. 
Also, it has maybe the single best lyric Brandon Flowers has ever written in a killer song. Yes. USDA certified, certified lean man. Um, yeah, I just watched the video uh, for it, and the video yeah. is super weird, and I love it. It is weird. I'm like, what's going on here? But it's great. Yeah, it's a it's a good track, man. I uh, if I wasn't obsessed with the Baby Driver soundtrack, I would definitely be listening to that a lot more. Um, it's just been honestly, it's been a good couple weeks for music. Like June was a really good month for music. There were a lot of good albums that came out. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, that Killers album too. Um. I so my car, my car the AC doesn't work. Uh, uh yeah. Um and it's been crazy hot lately. So yeah, it has. the only oh, thing man. I can really hear with my windows rolled down is my CD player. And one of the only CDs I have in my car is Hot Fuss by The Killers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So every summer I get intimately familiar with Hot Fuss. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate listening to the radio. So, yeah. Yeah, I listen to Hot Fuss on repeat every summer, it seems like. That's um, a good album, man. It's so good. I want a Broadway show made out of that album, actually. <laughs> that would be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, no, that's about it, I think. Yeah. Have you played ARMS yet? I have played ARMS. I don't own it, but I played a whole bunch when there was, like, kind of, like, the server test demos, like, a month ago. It's really good. It is so it's good. It's really good. It's so good. It's really good. I'm going to pick it up, so. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Ryan, what about you? Uh, I've been, what have I been consuming? I've been watching, I've been going to The Office again because there's nothing else good on TV. Okay. So I'm going through that for, like, the eighth time. Uh, I'm on like the... Yeah, and they're about to pull it off Netflix, so... Ooh, what? What? Yeah. That makes me sad. Yeah, I saw something. Netflix said they, they're ending their deal with NBC. So oh, that's it's coming nuts. off August. Oh, oh, good thing I'm going through it now. <laughs> Missed my opportunity. Um, so I've been going through that. I've been I've doing a lot of reading lately. I've been reading... Um, I'm reading, going through a book called Leviathan Wakes. Um, which is the basis for the TV show The Expanse on Sci-Fi okay. Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, written by a couple of guys who worked with George R. R. Martin, and I think they're like his assistants or something like that. Really good book. Reading through that, uh, I'm reading through a bunch of uh, DC Comics Rebirth stuff. Like okay. I just started Superman the other day, which is the best Superman book that's come out in the last, like, oh, five years. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's... it's who wrote it? it? Uh, Peter J. Tomasi. Uh, okay. He wrote Batman and Robin for yeah. a while. Mm -hmm. Really, really great writer. Um, read his stuff. Um, I've been, honestly, speaking of music consumption, I've been listening to a band called Kaleo. Kaleo? Kaleo. Okay. Uh, their album AB. Um, they're the guys that wrote the song uh, Way Down that's in the trailer for Logan. Oh, okay. That one. Oh, like, okay. I, after hearing that song, I was kind of obsessed with finding them, and then I found the, their album, and I've been listening to it, like, nonstop. Nice. So, that's what I've been consuming. Nice. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a chance to see any... I have had a chance to see movies, mm -hmm. but I've just used those chances to watch <laughs> Baby Driver over yeah. and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, second, I, uh, I bought the Baby Driver soundtrack on vinyl. 
and woot woot. I've been obsessively listening to that as well, because um, it's so friggin' good. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that first track, Bell Bottoms by the John Spencer Blues Explosion, is one of the best songs I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> I, I was, I listened to it to get pumped up right before this podcast, and it works, man. Like, it is... Ah, gosh, it's so good. That's such a good song. Um, So outside of that, like I said, June was a really good month for music. Two of my favorite people came out with albums. Um, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, uh, who's an Americana-type band. Um, They came out with a new album. His last album is one of the best albums of the last decade. Mm. Uh, Something more than free. So freaking good. The Nashville Sound is the new album. It's pretty good. Um... There's some production issues I have with it. Uh, I think he's a really great songwriter, and I mainly listen to Americana music because I love the songwriting. Um, Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, I don't like it when I can't hear the lyrics. Mm. And there's a couple tracks on there where the vocals are really behind the instruments, and I wish that wasn't the case. Um, It's a lot rockier. Then it's like this mix of kind of the country Americana stuff that he usually does and the more... um, alt country stuff that he did when he was he was part of the drive-by truckers before and it's kind of a mix of both of those types of things they're really good the songs are really well constructed he's got a seven and a half minute song about him dealing with anxiety and it's like it's literally just him talking about anxiety like there's no metaphors of like (laughs) this he's like he the name of the song is anxiety and that's the first word he sings in the song (laughs) um it's that track is really good he's got this super good song on there called if we were if we were vampires it's got a stupid title but uh it makes sense if you listen to it it's a bummer it's about uh and i think you guys will understand this it's about like how being married is just like what uh what's the the chorus is something about like it's likely one of us is gonna have to spend some days alone uh if we get 40 years together that'll be good like that kind of stuff and it's like man this is like oh Right in the feels. Yeah, uh, it's real good. And then the Secret Sisters, another one of my favorite Americana bluegrass type bands, they came out with a new album produced by Brandy Carlisle, who's an excellent Americana artist. Um, really cool story behind that. They did two albums, and they're both really solid. Their first one's really good. Their second one's, uh, it's a little darker. But the second one did not sell well at all. And they were on the verge of quitting music. They had both gone their separate ways. One of them stayed in Nashville. One of them moved back to Alabama, where they're from. And Brandy Carlisle, they had done some shows with her to promote their last album. And Brandy Carlisle's pretty popular in that world. She reached out to them and was like, hey, where's the third album? And they were like, oh, you know, we can't. Like, it just didn't sell well. We got dropped from our record company. We don't really want to do this anymore. <laughs> and Brandy Carlisle was like, you guys are great. I call BS on that. You're coming to my studio and I'm producing your album. Wow. And uh, so they they did um, they did kind of a Kickstarter. It's not Kickstarter. I don't remember what the... Um, it's like a Kickstarter specifically for music website. <clears throat> um, they did that to help kind of help fund the album a little bit. But Brandy Carlisle basically put up all the money to produce it and so she mm-hmm. got it out and it's it's really good it's it's i think it's a almost like it feels almost like that's what they were actually going for on their second album because it's more of a mix of what their first album sounds like and their second album it's more consistent mm. with like the music mm-hmm. i'm used to hearing them it's really solid uh i think the name of the album is you don't own me anymore 
Um, it's got a picture of their grandma on it, and she looks like sweet. It's like a sweet old timey picture of their grandma. <laughs> um, and then I've been playing the crap out of Mortal Kombat XL. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was gifted. I would never in a million years have sought out a Mortal Kombat game uh, or any sort of fighting game that's not called Super Smash Brothers. And I was gifted it by a friend, Eric, if you're listening, thank you, um, who had the game already, and he gifted me the game. Um, it's the XL version, which means it has all the skins and DLC already built into it, which is cool. Um, it's though this is going to sound really weird. It's been really like relaxing for me because <laughs> to kill people, to kill yeah. people. Um, <laughs> No, but, like, you can play through <laughs> ten rounds in about 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and it's been, like, this really good kind of um, thing to break up my day. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I can sit down, I can play 20 minutes, it's ten rounds in about 20 minutes, so it's, like, a it's a decent amount of game, but it's not a huge, you know, couple-hour commitment if I were mm. to sit down and play something that's super story-driven or has a ton of cutscenes or something like that. Um, it's real quick. Um, and I'm figuring out who I'm good with and who I'm bad with. Um, and I'm picking out like those characters and who's fun to play with out of the people I'm good with. And it's been really cool because you can, there's this almost immediate gratification to it when, and I'm sure this is nothing new to people who are super into fighting games, but there's this immediate gratification to it when you figure out you're good with someone, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and you can just go through and own, <clears throat> own people and you're like, man, I'm super good. Um, <laughs> and then you play with a character you're terrible with and you're like, oh, well, I'm not as good with that person. But yeah. <laughs> it's fine because I have this person to lean on to. Um, and I'm not getting like ultra nerd about it. Like I'm not doing any sort of like frame rate math. To be like, oh, I'm plus two on blocking with this move. And I'm like, uh, nope, I, I don't have yeah. the mathematical brain to deal with that crap. Just a pleasant distraction. For yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like, the fatalities are hilariously sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, like, it's so over-the-top gory mm-hmm. that it's hysterically funny to me that at one point the game was considered controversial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so beyond anything in this realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's it's been, like, way more fun than I feel like it should be. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it's cool because it's, like, a, quote, serious fighting game, which is the first one I've ever gotten into. So mm-hmm. it's, like, mm-hmm. and, like, I'm an adult, so I'm, like, halfway decent at it, you know? Because, like, when you're a kid, you just hit a bunch of buttons. But button, now... Button smash. Yeah. But yeah. now as an adult, you can be like, oh, if I string together this stuff, it'll do this much damage. And um, that's, like, fun to... It's, like, a fun little puzzle to figure out mm-hmm. of, like... Yep. Okay, if I do this stuff, you know, I don't know. Corey, are you a big fighting games guy? Yes, I am. Really? Yeah, a lot. So, Street Fighter... I mean, like, Smash. I love Smash. But, right. yeah, like, Street Fighter and Soul Calibur. I played the crap out of those games growing oh, nice. up. <laughs> nice. Are you excited for Evo? Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't, like, follow... I don't follow things, like, a ton. But, I mean, I just love... I just love playing like i'm probably gonna pick up like street fighter on the switch i just Mm -hmm. haven't done it yet Mm -hmm. but yeah i'm I'm pretty into fighting games nice nice and i like mortal kombat's just kind of the goofier version of of street fighter like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's just super goofy and i like that i don't know i like that everything starts with a k for no reason (laughs) there's no actual (laughs) reason for it um yeah uh 
yeah, I I think that's it. Um, yeah. Um, so we're gonna move on to our Spider-Man talk. Um, the reason Corey is here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so Spider-Man joined the MCU officially in 2016 mm-hmm. um, with Civil mm-hmm. War. It was a joint deal between Sony and Marvel. Um, I'm still not sure about the details on that deal because I don't, I don't work for either. Is. Co- yeah, the, <laughs> no, neither one of the companies are. It actually, it's funny because this all kind of came to light in 2015 or 14. Yeah, um, 14 in the Sony hack. Yeah, when all that stuff got leaked. Mm-hmm. Sony had a bunch of uh, hacked emails uh, that got leaked to the public. Which included, uh, for those of you who remember, um, hmm. it, North Korea was to blame, but maybe not. But maybe, but maybe not. But like, yeah, no one actually know. knows whether it was them. But they just said they did it. But they say they do a lot of crap. Um, <laughs> and they said, like, people were claiming that it was because of that movie, The Interview, that was coming out, which was yeah. about James Franco and Seth Rogen assassinating Kim Jong Un, um, and. So it was it was a blip on that little weird spot of cinematic history. Um, so in those emails, uh, in addition to some some James Bond stuff that turned out to be true, um, there were there was talk of Sony and Marvel striking a deal specifically for Spider Man, and. And that turned out to be true as well. Like, those Sony hacks were legit. Um, Mm -hmm. And so everyone kind of... That kind of raised the question in everyone's mind of, is this true? Is this actually how it's going to go down? Stuff like that. And it did. Um, 2015, they announced, hey, we struck a deal. Spider-Man's going to be in Civil War. He's going to be part of the MCU. Uh, we're rebooting it. We got a new guy. Um, or we're going to get a new guy. It's going to be Peter Parker. We're not doing Miles Morales. Um, that kind of stuff. And, uh... There was much rejoicing. There was much rejoicing. Yes, Marvel has control um, of their flagship character again. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. It's true. Although, well, we'll get into it. Anyway. Um... (laughs) So that's kind of the backstory. And so they introduced the character in Civil War. He, um... Tony Stark sought him out, brought him kind of under his uh, wing, and um, brought him to the airport fight. And that's basically all we got of Spider-Man in Civil War. And then they announced that one year later they would be coming out with a new Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Uh, It's directed by John... I think his name's John Watt or John Watts. He directed a movie called Cop Car with Kevin Bacon. Um, it's supposed to be good. I haven't seen it. It's a little indie movie. Um, and and that's how that's the story all about how Spider-Man ended up in the MCU. Uh, <laughs> so we are, you know, on release week for um, Spider-Man's solo MCU debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Spider-Man Homecoming. It stars Tom Holland and Zendaya and a hilarious looking Asian kid and <laughs> uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Michael Keaton and Donald Glover. It's got a heck of a cast, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... So, so with that, uh, you know, 
Marvel's expanding their universe and adding more and more, and we're getting three Marvel movies this year. I think this is the first year we're getting three Marvel movies. Um, you know, and then Corey, you're a massive Spider-Man fan, so I guess we'll start yes. there. Um, what is it about Spider-Man that draws you to him so much? There's so many things, um, but I think probably like the the big one for me, and probably I think for a majority of people that love Spider-Man, is the fact that in a world of a lot of more fantastical superheroes, and Spider-Man does have fantastical elements, I think there's like a real humanity to Spider-Man because a lot of his story and like the stuff that you read centers more on like the character of Peter Parker than Spider-Man really. I mean like obviously Spider Spider-Man's like a main player because you know like he has powers and stuff, but a lot of these a lot of the stuff that you read about him it's like how is like Peter Parker like an everyday like kind of average Joe type character like how is he dealing with like balancing his life as Spider-Man and then, you know, like his everyday life and like what are like what is the cost of doing that? And that's probably like the biggest thing, like his whole grappling with like identity and like, you know, should I do the right thing because I have this power? You know, like that whole that whole dynamic is really the thing I love about Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that he kind of sucks as a person. Like, that, he's not like a crappy guy, but yeah. he just like is bad at doing life yeah. when he's Peter yeah. Parker, you know? Um, I think that's really relatable. He's not this, you know, always right all the time billionaire like Iron Man or I was thinking Batman and then yeah, <laughs> like, realized like when that he Iron showed Man's like also. when he showed up, like, you know, Stanley has talked about when he created him, you know, Spider-Man was kind of like the first kind of, you know, like, yeah, he kind of sucked in the sense of like he didn't have you know, like, his life together, he was just, like, that, this average kid, and, you know, like, in Queens, who was trying to figure out, like, how do I do this superhero thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And how do I do this life thing? Like, he's kind of poor, he's got an, you know, an aging aunt, um, yep. he's lost his uncle, he doesn't know his parents, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's like, if, if, uh, I think it's Donald Glover actually has a bit about how if you, um, because people made a big deal about Miles Morales, him being Miles Morales, and mm-hmm. they were like, yeah. Spider-Man can't be black, and he was like, if you look at Spider-Man's story, it sounds much more like a black guy. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> just, his, his whole backstory. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think that that goes a long way with it. Ryan, are you a big Spider-Man guy? Uh, I'm going to say I'm a big Spider-Man guy. I love the character, and I, I definitely agree with everything Corey was saying about him. I think... Um, I think you, you, you hit a, a key a touchstone there when you said you know, it cost him something. I think that's what differentiates Spider-Man from, say, Captain America mm-hmm. uh, or any other superhero, is that it really does cost him dearly to do the right thing. And in fact, um, he's a character who's driven ultimately by guilt. Yeah. Because he was selfish with his powers at first. He did what any typical person would do. He was like, hey, I can make money off this crap. Yeah, especially exactly. a teenager. Especially a teenager, yeah. 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 And then, but his selfishness cost him uh, essentially a father figure, his yeah. uncle. Yeah. And so I feel like the character from that genesis onwards, just him trying to make up for that fact. And it's mm-hmm. cost him. It's cost him relationships. It's cost him jobs. It's cost him his own welfare. All yeah. of this to do the right thing. And I think that resonates, I think, especially with Christians, uh, I think. 
Uh, especially, yeah. I, I'll, I'll cite Spider-Man 2. Oh, I think that movie, yeah. uh, first time I saw it, that really resonated with me as a man who professes to be a Christian, as a man who, you know, the to do the, the right thing, to do what Christ has called us to do, it's not real popular. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's going to get you in a lot of trouble and your world's going to hate you for it. Um, and so Spider-Man was that kind of hero for me. And that's one of the reasons I still love him. And now in the comics... It's real convoluted mess. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm, I'm it not, is. I'm not a big fan of where he's at currently. Um, yeah. Just because he, he was Doc Ock for a while. What? Yeah. He Peter yeah. Parker. Superior. Peter Parker Spider-Man. died, and then Doc Ock took over his body. And there's some weird stuff that went on with him, Mary Jane, that got all fans. It. Yeah. Lots of weirdness. I won't go in. They, yeah. What? And then they ended up retconning a lot of his history. Yeah. So, yeah. It's. It's unfortunate, and Miles is the mainline Spider-Man now, right? Or, like, they're side-by-side. No, Peter, I think Peter Parker just came back or something. I don't know. I, I stopped following after that. <laughs> yeah, it's, Marvel's it's just really boning everything, everything they've put out lately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but all that aside, I, I do love the character. Um, yeah. Um, and I don't want to camp too much on the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, as great as they are. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Mine's well, the first two. Yeah. Um, they made the third one. I didn't know. So I think, <laughs> but I think, I think the thing you touched on—the fact that it cost him something—is the best part of the first two Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the thing that subsequent Spider-Man movies haven't understood. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a real heft to the stuff, to the choices he makes yeah. over the course of those two movies, especially the second one. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Sam Raimi deals in that, right? He comes from horror, and as funny and goofy as they are, like Ash in the Evil Dead movies, it comes at great personal cost for him to be the hero. He has yeah. to m- literally murder mm. his friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so Sam Raimi, like, gets that. And Sam Raimi's kind of obsessed with that kind of stuff, actually. So if you see... Not just his horror movies, but even his movies like A Simple Plan, which is more of a thriller with Bill Paxton. Mm. Um, great movie. If you haven't seen it, seek it out. It's, that's just a plug. Uh, go watch A Simple Plan. It's a bummer, but it's really good. Mm. Um, he did a movie <laughs> called The Gift with Katie Holmes and a couple other people. That's exactly that. It's these people who get powers. They have power, and but it costs them a lot to exert it. And mm. it ultimately results in death Mm. um so it's not a new thing for sam raimi i think it was a new thing for mark webb the guy who did uh the last two and spider-man 3 was made as a troll for the studio because sam raimi didn't want to make spider-man 3 Mm. um yeah so (laughs) he completely betrayed the character basically it's just like the movie's just an f you to the the studio which Mm. is a bummer for the audience but yes uh, yeah (laughs) So, with this new Spider-Man, um, where do you guys stand on it? Does it seem like they've got Spider-Man down, or did they tap into another essential part of the character? Um, Corey, I guess we'll start with you. Um, so, kind of like, one, what are your expectations for Spider-Man Homecoming? And two, do you think that they've gotten the tone of it based on what you've seen? Or is it maybe something else that also makes Spider-Man tick that they've tapped into? Yeah, okay, so 
I guess a little groundwork before I answer those questions. I love the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans minus the third one. Um, I had a weird relationship with the Amazing Spider-Mans because I love the character of Spider-Man, and I was like, yes, we're getting like a reboot after like the third one that was horrible, and the first one is meh. The second one, I kind of like saw it initially, and I was like, this is great, and then. I realized it was terrible. So <laughs> all of that to say, in light of this new movie, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm excited that like Spider-Man is finally back in Marvel's hands. You know, he is their flagship character and they they launched the MCU without him and so they kinda had to take this very different path. You know, like I think if they had Spider-Man, like he probably would have been one of the first movies they launched with but so they've had to take this whole different path and so finally they have him and i'm excited for spider-man homecoming like whether or not like it's going to be as good as sam raimi's films primarily like the second one um i don't know i'm kind of leaning towards probably not but whether it will beat out um the other spider-man films i'm I'm pretty confident it will, and I think it's because it is tapping into the 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 dynamic that we already talked about of like Peter Parker and just like his relatability to us. Um, you know, it, it's also kind of doing that thing where we're getting more of high school mm-hmm. Peter Parker. We're like, yeah, we did get that in like the Sam Raimi film, but it was it's really only kind of for like the first maybe half of the second act you know it's not really like we live in that world a ton it's kind of more like hey this is like the groundwork for like meeting all the characters and him kind of learning his powers and then we don't really like come back there and visit a lot of time and the same thing with like the amazing spider-man it's not really it's not really like we're there in that world and so in this one I feel like the way that it sounds like they've set it up and that we're really kind of, we get into the minutia and his like daily life as Peter Parker. I think that's really going to help connect the audience to him. And then also like it's doing, I think it's doing a smart thing in the MCU and trying to differentiate him because, you know, they could have gone with like more of college grown up Peter Parker. I think they made a wise choice and like he's the youngest one and he's not an avenger technically and he's still learning his power i think it was a good choice yeah yeah what about you ran um yeah so sorry my, my history was uh no, your expectations for homecoming expect- yeah. and whether or not um the tone is is like what we were talking about or if they tapped into something else that makes peter parker yeah. tick that'll make this movie work no um, I'm I'm excited for. It. I think I think there's a big reason why it's called Homecoming. I think yeah. that's a multiple multiple uh, yeah. facets for that. Marvel getting its its prodigal son home, although they technically sold him off to the higher highest bidder. Yeah, <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I blame the death of Superman for that. Yeah, <laughs> that '90s comic book bubble really uh, made force to their hand on that. Very yeah. much so. Um, <laughs> But no, I'm I'm excited for it. Like I, I I have no like fear like oh will it be good or not? Like I'm fully uh, behind and think it'll be amazing. Um, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> but I think they'll I think they'll tap into that cost act aspect of the character. Um, 
And I think, you know, unlike Amazing Spider-Man, which he was also in high school, but in that he was more like just an angsty teen, like he, mm-hmm. you know, who just happened <laughs> to be a nerd. This one, it seems like he's going to be more of that that awkward yeah. kind of person, yeah. you know, yeah. which he, he was in the comics. Uh, I think yeah. they're, they're definitely going to capture that well, and I think it's perfect as the friend. Because, you know, we all have that kind of a friend, you know. I am that kind of a friend. Yeah, I was going to say, me. It's me. <laughs> um, and I think that's awesome. And I think they're gonna, they're really going to capture that young man who's kind of a fish out of water, just like, I've, I've got all these powers. Sweet, can I be an event? You know, like, yeah. he, he, they seem to really capture the, the youth um, of Spider-Man in this. Um, and I think... I think the trailer did give away a lot of the plot, so... Yeah, we'll talk about I'm, that in a second. I'm yeah. going to assume uh-huh. they're really going to, again, really tap into that. It's going to cost him something, because obviously the suit gets taken away, mm-hmm. but he still wants to do the right thing. And so he jury-rigs something together, and he's still going to be Spider-Man regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll be I think it'll be a lot of fun, and, and I think Marvel is going to give him a big old hug home, basically. Like, ah, oh, you're back where you belong. Um, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so we're doing kind of ex- I kind of Next. expected. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, uh, here's the thing. I'm not sure I like Spider-Man. Uh, and now there's, it's including my meh, there are a lot of asterisks at play here. One, I've never really read any Spider-Man comics. Mm. My only real familiarity with the character is the dope GameCube games, (laughs) the Sam Raimi Raimi movies and the Mark Webb movies, and Civil War. So uh, I really like the first two Sam Raimi movies, and that's about it. I mean, I love Civil War, but it's not a Spider-Man movie. And I liked him in Spider-Man. I thought Tom Holland was good. He's charming. I like that scene, uh, that whole scene. Uh, him versus Giant Man is great. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. really well put together. Um, I This movie, though, it, it doesn't really appeal to me. But the asterisk on that is I'm kind of cool with it because up until a certain point in those trailers... I like that it's kind of the first Marvel movie marketed directly at kids. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they all kind of are, they're all kind of, you know, PG-13, action-y, you know, stuff. Um, and, but this is the one that feels like, it. this is for children until it gets, it, it, the, the first trailer especially takes a really dark tone when Vulture shows up, yeah. and that seems a little weird. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. Like, it's a movie about a kid, and it's for kids. Like, it, you know, it's, it's for... I'd say, like, late elementary through early high school kids. Yeah. And I like that, you know, most comic book characters were originally created for children. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. most comic book movies nowadays are not for them. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of strange, actually. <laughs> um, so to, I think I think to, to, to specifically aim um, one of these movies at kids, I think it's a smart idea. I like it on paper um in the sense that one i think it took way too long for that to happen (laughs) um and two i think i think it's an untapped direction for those to go in with the exception of maybe big hero six i guess Mm. um Mm -hmm. but most people don't know that's a comic book movie so 
The problem I have with that, though, not just as an adult, I'm like, oh, that doesn't appeal to me, but it also brings these, it's going to bring kids into, like, the super complicated MCU universe, and it's like, they're going to be, are they going to be confused, you know, are yeah. they, you know, I'm sure they're, most kids are aware of these characters, and a lot of kids have seen these movies, but some maybe haven't, and so, I don't know, it seems, it seems really strange to me, mm. um, to to start doing that now um but it also could be this epic long game that they're playing to get kids into phase four right like they want they want to hook kids in phase three right now to get them on board for phase four they've already said the uh spider-man homecoming 2 is going to kick off phase four Mm -hmm. um and that the movie's going to take place minutes after the Avengers 4. Mm. Um, yeah. So they know what... They have a long-term plan with Spider-Man. They've already said John Watts is returning. Um, mm. they, they seem to be really happy with what he's done. Marvel hasn't made really an outright bad one of these movies. There are some that are okay. Um, mm. You know, I think the closest they've come, in my opinion, is Iron Man 2 to having yeah. a, a bad <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, Age of Ultron 2, uh, as well. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's not... It ain't good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, like, not that bad. They're all well-made. You know, there's a certain standard of quality. We talk about this on every Marvel episode, right? There's a certain standard of quality with these MCU movies that they more or less hit, and Spider-Man Homecoming looks like it hits that. It's just that none of it really stands out to me. Mm. There was a period of time where each Marvel movie kind of stood out to me. And this kind of looks like, hey, jokes and action. And, you know, they're all kind of starting to feel like Guardians of the Galaxy because that was a huge hit. Yeah. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it'll be fine. I don't think it'll be atrociously bad. But I also think, and we'll talk about this, I think... The marketing for this movie has been astonishingly terrible. Yeah, um, yeah, that's because Sony. Sony, yeah. So Sony has been in charge of marketing this thing. Marvel was in charge of making it. Sony yep. put up all the money and all the advertising for it. And holy moly, did they screw the pooch on it! Like, yeah, they did. These the posters are awful. Yep, they're so bad. They're really bad. <laughs> they're so bad. The trailers are like are every terrible. every trailer sin that you could possibly commit is in every single one of these trailers. Yep, that second trailer is so long and has so much of the movie in it. Yeah, and then like, the why, third why? trailer. The third trailer just completely ruins that Miles Morales is in the movie. <laughs> I just stopped watching. I stopped watching them. I haven't even seen the third trailer, so Sorry. it's like, no, no. Spoilers, Corey. No, I, re- I already knew that. <laughs> Man, uh, so it's just like, it's almost hysterically bad. So what I kind of want to camp out on is... Yes, this partnership exists. They've also announced that there's going to be a solo Venom movie without Spider-Man where Tom Hardy is going to be playing Venom and Carnage is going to be the villain. But also, This is terrible. It does take place in this universe, but only Sony is going to do... I have no idea. Um, So... That sounds so dumb. So my question is, yes, this exists. Is it good for Spider-Man? Ryan, 
the the Tom Harding thing? The yeah. just this partnership <laughs> between them. Um, I th- no, ultimately no. I think it would be best if the Marvel just had complete rights to it. Then they would have they would be unfettered <laughs> and be able yep. to do whatever they want. But because they sold their souls to the devil. Uh, <laughs> hey, Sony made Baby Driver. That's so. true. Sorry, sorry. Um, uh, they kind of got to take what they can get because Sony ain't gonna let them go entirely because that's a money make. Spider Man makes money. Oh, crappy makes movie, a ton of money. good movie. It's gonna make all. It's gonna make all the money. Yeah. Um. So I don't think we're ever gonna see a complete Marvel owns him completely unless Disney ponies up and just. Uh, buys them an island or something yeah. you know what yeah. I mean like which they could do but they won't um so I no I, I, I think we're gonna get what we're getting hopefully we get good stories out of it but yeah. ultimately it's with what I'm hearing because of the indecisive and uncertain nature of how this all works together um there's just gonna be confusion and there's <laughs> just gonna be some probably crappy movies made because it's not cohesive. Mm-hmm. And when you yeah. don't have a con- cohesive universe, when you have people like, well, this is what's going on in our universe, and you have Spider-Man, but, you know, it's it's just like, no, the audience isn't going to understand that. It's going to be confusing, and screw that. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Corey, what do you think? I don't know. So many thoughts. I'm like, Sony, how do you even do a spin-off universe? universe of spider-man's characters when you don't even have spider-man in it like that doesn't like it doesn't even make sense to me but i mean that's uh like is this good or bad for spider-man um i mean i'm glad marvel has some say again in the character i mean i think the ideal situation ryan like you said would be if like marvel had complete control over spider-man but i don't think that will ever happen Unless, you know, Disney does step up and, like, you know, pay Sony a ton of money. But, I mean, I guess it's good in the sense that Spider-Man, like, you know, Marvel has some say. And, like you said, Ryan, we might get some good stories. Um, I'm, I'm happy that, like, Marvel has control of him and, you know, get, they're going to keep Sony from, like, butchering him for a while, you know? Like, uh mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it's tough. Um, you know, I think it, it, it's just so hard because, like I said at the outset, I think if they'd had Spider-Man, he probably would have been one of the people to launch the MCU. The yeah. MCU would probably look a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the time and place of like where this deal happened and like where Marvel was in the MCU, I think they've kind of done the best job that they can in folding him into it. Because, you know, it's kind of like, no, okay, let's skip the origin story, but we already kind of have the Avengers going, so it's like we kind of have to modify, like, you know, the type of Spider-Man we're going to get in the sense of, like, his backstory and stuff and, like, make him work. But I still think Marvel can give us some good stories and some good character development for Spider-Man. So, so, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of middle of the road on this i mean i guess i'm just glad marvel kind of has him for a while yeah i think <clears throat> i don't understand why disney didn't just pony up to buy him back it's not like their want for money mm-hmm. you know? yeah it, it 
It doesn't make sense for this partnership. And also, there's just miscommunication everywhere in the media, it seems like. Feige's saying that this Venom thing is not part of the MCU. Sony is saying that it is. Sony's saying that they're not going to be doing any Spider-Man sequels. Marvel's announced the sequel to Spider-Man for... I mean, Tom Holland said he got signed for a trilogy of oh, films. Oh, really? So, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> Tom Holland's got a super big mouth, and it makes me yeah. laugh. Yeah, he does. Uh, did you guys? Did you see the thing where they're not letting him read the entire script to the Avengers yep. because he leaks too much stuff? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, because yeah, he's going to be that. in the next Avengers movie, right? Mm, and yeah. uh, they, they're only letting him read his scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it makes me laugh. I think that's hilarious. I think Tom Holland's super likable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I man, this Marvel-Sony deal, it's cool to have him in the MCU. Uh, I like what they're doing. I like the suit. I like the tech, the tech on the suit. I like that direction of Tony's doing it. So I think as far as him in the MCU proper goes, it's pretty cool. Um, as far as, like, what this thing looks like as someone who keeps up with this news, it's, a, it's a circus, man. Mm-hmm. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's really dumb and really bad. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care what you make your movies about or even how you make your movies as long as you make a good movie. And yeah. sometimes it's harder than others. It's harder to do that than others, but that's still, like, the expectation, right, is to make a good movie. Um, so I hope it's good. I hope everything works out as far as at the very least putting out a, a halfway quality product. Uh, it seems like that's the case at yeah, least I think, for now. I think so. I mean, I've read some earlier reviews. It's like no one has had like, it's not amazing Spider-Man. So that's good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wildly positive reviews. Actually, it's like a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes for some reason. Um, yeah. That's beyond me, man. Mm. Like, I can't... Wow. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see, guys. Um, we'll round up next week to talk about it. Do you guys have any other thoughts on the Amazing Spider-Man... Or uh, Spider-Man Homecoming? There's too many of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, 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 I mean, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Like, I'm really excited about it. I mean, I know some of that is I just have some bias towards Spider-Man. Um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily going to be one of the best movies that Marvel has done. But I, I'm just looking forward to seeing, like, the character done justice. I feel like, from from all the interviews I've seen with, like, you know, the main people, like Michael Keaton or Tom Holland or, you know, even the director, like, John Watts and stuff, it seemed like people, act, like, they cared about the character. So it doesn't just feel like it's, like, a phoned-in, like, mm-hmm. we gotta, like, wrap it into the MCU. Like, I mean, like, I know it's tied to the MCU, but, like, like I'm hoping, and it sounds like it's mostly, like, it can kind of stand on its own. I mean, you know, besides <laughs> the fact that Tony Tony Stark, you know, is in there, but... You know, I know in the advertising he got played up a lot as like, oh, like Iron, it's like Iron Man four, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, like I'm just I'm really positive about the movie. I think it's going to be pretty good. I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air for Spider Man fans and just even like, sorry, <laughs> something <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah, you're the only person who's recognized that as Hamilton. Hmm. <laughs> Most people think it's the Imperial March. Well, that's a good choice too. So, 
all in all, like what I was saying, I just I think it's going to be a good movie. I think I'm going to enjoy it. I think audiences will generally enjoy it. And anyone who's like a fan of Spider-Man, like, you know, I, I think they're going to like it. It's, you know, it's not your traditional, like, whatever comic book Spider-Man. I mean, it's slightly altered a lot, but I think you're I think people are going to love it. Yeah, cool. Well, Corey, thank you for joining us. Of course. Um, you'll be back next week to talk about uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, yeah. And we're going to take a short break and be right back uh, for Ryan and I to talk our final thoughts on Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Baby. <laughs> Desperately resisting the urge to introduce every segment, like uh, the song Bell Bottoms. <laughs> um, but uh, I've done okay so far. <laughs> um, so Ryan and I, were here to talk about Baby Driver. Uh, mm-hmm. If you talked to us last week, or if you listened to this show last week, we were both uh, pretty stoked about it. Yep. And that's because of one person, Edgar Wright, is uh, mm-hmm. writing and directing it. Edgar Wright is the man behind... Um, Shot of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. This is his fifth movie. It's the first movie he made since he left Ant-Man, got fired from Ant-Man, quit Ant-Man, whatever you want to say. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of his passion project. He's had the idea for 22 years and finally got it made. Um, and yeah, so that is Baby Driver. And the, the story is about this kid, uh, young young gentleman, um, of an indeterminate age who is a getaway driver for bank robbers, basically. And he's also got tinnitus, so he's constantly got his earbuds in listening to music. And he's a really good driver, and that's why they use him on everything. He's also indebted to the guy who um, runs this underground crime ring. But he meets this girl named Deborah, and as their relationship blossoms, kind of the facade of the criminal underworld he's been a part of gets ripped ripped off and uh he starts to see that world for what it really is um and there's a ton of sweet car chases and really great music along the way mm-hmm. and that's about it uh ryan what did you think about baby driver i thought it was really good i thought it was it was a um a really well put together story um really interesting form of storytelling uh, I think all the actors were amazing in it. I loved the music and the, the kind of the heart and the theme of it. Um, I just thought it was a, a really good movie. Yeah. It, man, I'm so <laughs> freaking obsessed with this movie. Uh, yeah. It's so dang good, man. I've seen it twice. I saw it two days in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got asked to do a 12-hour shift at work after I had planned to see it the second day. Yeah. And went immediately from work to the theater. I was in my work shirt at the theater. Uh, didn't eat dinner till like 11 o'clock that night because, because of it. <laughs> Um, partially because I had made friends, made plans with friends to see it, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want to break those plans, and also, uh, I just really want to see it again, man. I'm just, I'm so obsessed with it. I bought the vinyl, mm-hmm. uh, movie's been out less than a week, <laughs> and I was like, give me that. Um, <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, uh, I figured it was, I, like I said on the last episode, it's my most anticipated movie of the year. Uh, it delivered on almost every level. It just is so much of what I like about movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's just a really good time in a theater, man. Yeah. Um, 
it's got a lot of tones to it, but the tones are all really consistent. Um, like it, it crescendos really well, right? Mm-hmm. It crescendos like a good song. It builds yeah. to something. Yeah. Um, it's structured like a song, which is crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy, man. Um, all the performances are super solid. Yeah. Super like across the board, Ace's performances from everyone. Um, the dialogue is really good. It's not, but they make it work. Like there's some goofy lines in there that these actors make work. And I was very impressed with that. Um, the car chases are super well put together. They're like really complicated and cool. Yeah. But easy to follow. Really easy to follow. There's a lot going on in almost every shot of the movie, but it's never jarring or confusing. Like, man, it's so freaking good. Yeah. Um, I just I just loved it, man. Like I just had such a good time watching it both times, and I already like I'm trying to figure out how to see it the third time. <laughs> see it the third time. Yeah. yeah, it just I don't know, man. Um, there's so many positives about it. Did you have any negatives? The only thing that I saw that I really didn't like and thought was kind of not consistent was Kevin Spacey's character at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, like his resolution. Like the Kevin, Kevin Spacey is the Lex Luthor of the story, if we will. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he's the mastermind behind every behind everything. He's also the manipulator of everybody. So he's a bad guy mm-hmm. uh, to the point where his nephew is taking after his uncle, which <laughs> yeah. is a really cute, awesome scene, but still kind of disheartening. Um, and I didn't like. I, I personally did not like how. Uh, how, how how far are you want to go into spoilers? Yeah. We can go into full spoilers. Okay. I didn't like his resolution where Baby shows back up and... Um... So Baby decides that he's going to take down this mob from the inside, basically. Yeah. Uh, he, de- he, he decides to unravel everything. And yeah. so he does that. He like completely botches his last job, in mm-hmm. quotes, and shows back up to Kevin Spacey's hideout. Yeah. Um, and Kevin Spacey is understandably furious at this. Yeah. Um, but then. Yeah, but then uh, Baby tries to make a deal like, "Hey, I'll, I've got some of the thing. I got some of the loot you wanted. I'll mm-hmm. give that to you. Just, I just want one tape because the the guys found all these tapes that he had made. Um, and that's that set up another thing. Right. Um, and Kevin Spacey understanding was like, "No, we're done. Go away. Like, I'm surprised he didn't shoot him right there. Yeah. Just like we're done. You know, you." Butched every, you botched everything else up. Um, but then Baby's like, but I have a girlfriend. And I didn't like the twist where Kevin's just like, well, fine. <laughs> You've got a girl. Okay. You've screwed up my criminal empire for love. All right. Like, to me, it was just like, no. Why? The, the, the twist was too sudden. To me, it was inconsistent with the character. Mm-hmm. And I based that off of the things he said before. He knew he had a girlfriend, yeah. and he said, you know, the, the line we talked about in the pre-thing, which is like, oh, she's cute. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. Like, this is a man who does not give a crap. Yeah. And to me, that scene where he's just like, oh, fine, for love. I was like, no, you're not being consistent <laughs> with who this guy is. It's true, and I think there's one thing that could have flipped it, and that's... Because it shows them in the elevator right after that, and he goes, I was in love once. And so that right there is, like, where you get it. But I feel like that should have happened first or earlier in the movie. Yeah, that needed to be set up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, seemed, it seemed like it was almost the reverse order of things. You yeah. Know? Like, it seemed like if, if he would have said I was in love once to him earlier in the movie and then he dis- does this. Because I think what it, I think what it is... And this might be getting into the weeds of I love the movie so much I have a justification for every little problem <laughs> with it. But... Doc is a surrogate father to Baby. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a bad one, 
<laughs> um, and he's one that manipulates Baby at every chance he gets. Mm-hmm. But he's still a surrogate father to him. And I think it's he's kind of pulled in a bunch of different directions because of that. Um, and that's one of the directions is he, he does genuinely care about baby. It seems like by the end and like he, he wants, you know, he wants baby to work for him, but he, he see, he's got this warped sensibility of like, this is the fun part. He tells him when, uh, he does, baby does like a, a quote last job for doc mm-hmm. and then doc pulls him back in, um, by threatening his family. But he's doing it in this really weird way where he's saying, no, this is the fun part. This is where you get to keep all the money you make. Mm-hmm. basically um and so he's like kind of working that father figure angle um you know baby's dad sucked his real dad was you know abusive it seems yeah. like uh, at the very least to his mother and whether or not to him is left to the imagination um and so baby has like he's kind of desperate for older male attention not in like a sexual way yeah, but like yeah. He's just desperate for, like... For that male role model. That male, he's desperate for a male role model. Yeah. And he's got one in Joe, and Joe's a sweet guy who's his deaf foster father, but, you know, um, Joe's disabled. He's in a wheelchair. He's deaf. Uh, you know, he he doesn't... He can't really connect to Baby's interests outside of music, and even then he can only do it through the vibrations and the speakers. Yeah. Doc understands Baby's love of cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he fills kind of that gap for him, and so I think that's the implication there. Yeah, but I just don't think it was well done. Sure, <laughs> sure, and and I think you you drive that point home by having him tell him I was in love once earlier in the movie, yeah. and then having that happen. I think it's a very simple fix. Yeah. Um, yeah. But other, other than that, I thought the movie was really good. Yeah, it's incredibly well executed. Uh, my, my, my only negative is I really didn't like Deborah's character mm. on, this, on the page. She didn't have a lot to do. She didn't have anything to do, really, but she's so, like, the performance is so good from Lily James mm-hmm. that I, it was, like, kind of a bummer that she didn't. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, man, like, you're really good. You're so good, but you don't have, like, I don't know anything about you like we know your mom was sick and you're a waitress and you do laundry that's about (laughs) it and that's all yeah um and you're the love interest yeah so yeah it was just kind of annoying and i was hoping seeing it a second time i would pick up on more stuff and not really Mm -hmm. as far as that goes um I mean, heck, even Darling, the only other female in the movie, has more of a fleshed out backstory in that yeah. she's a former lap dancer that ran away with John Hamm. Like, yeah. we... I did like the payoff with John Hamm's character, where, in the diner scene, mm-hmm. where Jamie Foxx are all sitting down, and then Darling is talking about John Hamm, just like, you piss him off, you've un- you're gonna unleash the horror within. Uh-huh. And I like that we actually got to see that. Yeah, like, well... Him, like, he lost Darling, and now he's just, like, the Terminator. Yeah, uh, yes. Man, I love the Terminator ending to this movie. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a great, great homage to the Terminator. It was so good! Mm-hmm. Um, but that's even set up even earlier in the movie without John Hamm's character even on screen. Mm. Um, there's a scene... So... Joe knows, Joe is Baby's foster father, and Joe knows that Baby is in the world of crime. And he wants better for his son, obviously. So Baby, whenever they're talking about one of his heists on TV, he changes the channel. And you see, like, 
some you see clips of what they're watching on TV, and those clips kind of come back as the movie. Uh, you know, the first clip they show is Alfalfa singing "You Are So Beautiful to Me" yeah. in the Little Rascals movie. He does that to Deborah the first time he meets her. Uh, um, oh, that's right. He does do that. Yeah. Uh, there's a line from Monsters, Inc. that he gives to Doc, and Doc figures that out. <laughs> um, there's a couple other things, but there's a bullfight that's hap- that they, they come across, and they're talking about how the bull is relentless even though it's injured, and, like, that's what happens to John oh, Hamm. Oh, I, I didn't even pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, I picked up on that the second time. Because okay. once I figured out the Monsters, Inc. thing, I was like, oh, he did that Edgar Wright thing. Because Edgar Wright does this thing in every single one of the movies where he explains the entire plot of the movie in like the first couple scenes um you know Shaun of the dead he's got the whole thing about like i'm gonna go visit my mom have a pint or go to the go to the tavern have a pint and wait for all this to blow over and that's like what happens in the movie so edgar wright does that and so i picked up on oh that first scene of them watching the tv is him explaining that i gotcha yeah i wondered about that i was like wait what's he Ah, now I see. He's, yeah. He's telegraphing what's going to happen. 100%. Gotcha. Um, and, like, that last bit feels like a bullfight, you know? Mm-hmm. It's there on their feet, and he's in a car, and uh, all that. And, and man, it's it's really well done. I think the action sequences in the movie are super well executed. It's a complicated movie that they made yeah. um, on a technical level. I actually watched, I watched a half-hour interview with him and Ansel Elgort, and he was talking about how in the car chases, what they did is they rigged the cars to where the stunt drivers were actually on top of the car. So wow. they, they rigged all the mechanics of the car to work from a system <clears throat> above the car, and then they just stuck the camera inside the car with the actors and had all the actors in the car while they were doing these dangerous car chases. But Ansel Elgort had to like maneuver the wheel like he was doing it, and he was saying that it was this weird, like, VR experience where he's, like, whipping the, the wheel around and, like, grabbing the emergency brake and stuff like that. And all that stuff is happening, but he's not actually he's not doing, doing it. it. Yeah. And he said it was, like, really strange. Yeah. Uh, also, I, th- I think uh, John Hamm was terrified. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. He's just sitting in the backseat just yeah. like, <laughs> Yeah. Um... One of the standout performances in this movie to me was Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx plays this character named Bats, who's a straight-up psychopath. Yeah. And he's incredible in he, this movie. He plays the part very well. You hate him. Man, he's so obnoxious. To the point where when he, again, spoilers, when his character dies, mm-hmm. I applaud you. Uh, yeah. I was waiting for someone to take this guy out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so great. It's so, uh, he's so freaking good in that movie. Mm-hmm. And like two nights, three nights after we watched, he's the host of this game show on Fox mm-hmm. called, uh, beach Shazam. And we watched it and I was like, man, you're such a good actor. Jamie Foxx. He's just being Jamie Foxx. He was like pretty likable most of the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was like, he's a comedian, you know? And so he was being funny with the crowd and with the contestants and like saying stuff. And I was like, man, you are an excellent actor, which he—I mean, he yeah. has—he has an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, he's a good actor. Yeah, uh, and he's—he's he's great in Baby Driver, man. Uh, he's so good. John Hamm's really good in it mm-hmm. too. Um, John Hamm is like impossibly handsome, even when he's kind of grungy looking. Mm-hmm. It's outrageous. He's—he's—he's—he yeah. <laughs> um, he's, he's, he becomes this great Terminator character. Yeah. Um, and I, man, I just I really like some of the turns these characters take over yeah. it. Um, also, one of 
one of the best cameos uh, of the year with Paul Williams as the arms dealer. That's um, right. Man, I couldn't believe. I was like, Edgar Wright, you crazy man. Who's Paul Williams? Again? He is the composer of Rainbow Connection. He's a he's a songwriter from the seventies. Oh wow! Yeah, he did all the music for the first Muppets movie, the first couple Muppets movies. <laughs> um, yeah, and he was just kind of like a staple of nineteen seventies like pop culture. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. So this movie is kind of a, a an amalgamation of two movies by a director named Walter Hill. Mm. As a matter of fact, Walter Hill's in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So, Walter Hill made two movies in the 70s that Edgar Wright loves. One is called The Driver, which is about a getaway driver, and the other one is called Streets of Fire, which is uh, billed as a, quote, rock and roll fable. Okay. Um, both of those things are what Baby Driver is, right? Okay. Uh, and so, I'm not sure if Paul Williams and Walter Hill did a lot of stuff together. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And I'm wondering mm. if that's why Paul Williams is in the movie. Yeah. Um, it could also just be that Paul Williams is a staple of 1970s pop culture yeah. and the movie's very heavily influenced by 1970s cinema. Yeah. And so he put Paul Williams in it because of that. Um, but yeah, Walter Hill's voice is in the movie. He's the interpreter for Joe when, during the court scene. Oh, yeah, okay. I was like, that's cool. Okay, I need to ask you a question, Ryan. Yeah. Was that Pierce Brosnan? Who, for what? In the the homeless guy at the beginning of the movie. The homeless guy? Yeah. Okay. Re so re refresh my memory. The, the opening credits is Baby walking down the street listening to his iPod. Okay. And he walks by this homeless guy. And he walks by him twice. He walks to a coffee shop and walks back from the coffee shop. And it's all one take. And it's great. I'm... Uh, I have not found this anywhere online. Okay. I am convinced that the homeless guy he walks by is Pierce Brosnan. I don't know. I'd have to see. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. It makes Edgar sense. Edgar Wright can get people to do weird cameos. <laughs> yeah, because he's got Jackson Peter Jackson Santa in Santa Claus. Yeah. For like two seconds. Yeah. I'm I'm like 95% certain. Um, the second night I saw it, I told my friends to look for it, and one of them saw it and was like, I'm pretty sure it was him. <laughs> And I, as a matter of fact, I actually tweeted about it. Yeah. And I had a, I had two people respond to my tweet that were like, I'm pretty sure it was him. So I, I think it was. Okay. And I noticed the second time, the camera lingers on him up for like a brief second. It stops. And the camera doesn't really stop during that sequence. Okay. And it actually stops so you can figure get it out. So it. the first time... He walks by him. You don't see his face. You just He's like sleeping on a bench and you see him kind of like stirring like he's waking up from a nap. Yeah. But you don't see his face. And then the second time he's like sitting on the bench and you can see his face. And I'm pretty sure it's Pierce Brosnan. Okay. I need to see. That's another reason I need to see it again. I didn't. That I was like. Gotcha. That was like a significant portion of why I saw it a second time because it was driving me insane. Was that Pierce Brosnan or not? Yeah. That would not surprise me if he just did a random cameo. Yeah. Um. So something cool that happened, I edited all this out last week because it got a little mean. Um, I was talking about the importance of championing movies to uh, your friends and family, mm. especially movies like Baby Driver. Not a huge mass appeal. Baby Driver made a lot of money. Baby Driver made more money than Transformers this weekend. That's and that's good. great. That's so good. Um, I've also had several people come up to me and tell me that they are going to see the movie because... I won't shut up about it. And that's kind of awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, Faith in people have restored. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, 
you know, for better or worse, like, Baby Driver is an original studio-made movie, and we don't have a lot of those right now. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's an amalgam. remakes or... Yeah, it's an amalgam of influences, but it's not a straight adaptation of any sort of source material. Uh, and there's a lot to be said for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the more, quote, original-looking movies that's coming out this summer, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, is still based off a comic book. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, this is this is one of the only truly original studio movies that's coming out this summer. Yeah. And uh, I'm just glad that's doing well. I'm glad people are into it. Um, at the very least, to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, like, people are willing to take the risk on it. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think part of it is Ansel Elgort is in the Divergent series and The Fault in Our Stars. Mm-hmm. So he's got a big teenage following. Um, and I think they're turning out to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool, because I feel like if I was... A teenager who, you know, especially the type of teenager as a male who would have been into reading something like the, the, the Vlogbrothers, you know, John Green yeah. is the guy who wrote Fault in Our Stars. Um, I'm looking at a copy of the book right now, actually. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I was the type of teenager guy who was into that, but also I was probably pretty into action movies, I'd be about the right age to go see Baby Driver. And if I went to go see it because I liked Ansel Elgort or whatever... I would flip out about this movie. Like, if I was in high school when this movie came out, oh my goodness. Like, I would be double or triple the amount of obsessed I am with it. Yeah. Um, you know, it is it is the Fast and Furious for soft boys. Um, <laughs> it really is. That's, oh gosh, I just... Um, the, the the His journey also from being... Uh, the, baby is a code name, right? We mm. learn at the end of the movie, spoilers... That his name is Miles. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's really the journey of him from baby to Miles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's about how he compartmentalizes every aspect of his life until he can no longer. Um, it's it's this heist movie that's all about killing your idols. Um, and, and this weird deconstruction of like, hey... Uh, when you root for the heisters, you're rooting for psychopaths and murderers, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I liked that a lot. Uh, I thought it got that point across without being, like, annoying about it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it doesn't say, like, don't enjoy those movies, because they're fake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I go watch Heat... Real people did not get murdered yeah. making heat. Or John Wick, where he murders a bajillion people. Exactly. No one was really murdered. Exactly. Um, and so that's why I don't have a problem with uh, really movie violence. Um, but it also is good to kind of evaluate that from yeah. time to time. And I think... And Baby Driver gets really violent. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know. It does it in a really interesting, challenging way. Mm. Um, without being like preachy or saying that it's bad um to like those types of things yeah um i don't know i really liked it how did you feel about the end with with you know baby gives himself up and serves his time and comes out the other end clean i thought it was good i i think it was like uh it was it was a logical step for kind of an illogical points in the movie like, yeah this could not happen it's like oh no the cops would not stop until they got him yeah like i'm glad it didn't just end with him riding off into the sunset i think that would have been too neat and tidy i liked that it was realistic no he went to jail he was he he committed these crimes yeah um 
But I liked how it ended where he did end up with a girl driving off in the sunset, but he had to pay his debts first. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought that was really well done. I thought that was an intelligent ending instead of just a western they rode off in the sunset. And nothing ever bad happened to them ever again. Yeah, yeah. I I really like that too. I, I think it's thematically consistent with the rest of the movie because, I mean, in the first scene, John Bernthal tells him, like, you can't be part of this world without getting blood on your hands eventually. Yeah. And he tells him, that shit don't wash off in the sink. Yeah. And I was like, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what happens, right? You know, he's still complicit in these crimes. And he tries to convince himself that he's not. Yeah. By escaping into the music and escaping into the thrill of the car chases. But he is. And he has to eventually realize that. And he does. Yeah. And I think that's a really good redemptive arc for the character. Like, he understands eventually that what he's doing is wrong. And he knows it deep down even from the opening scene of the movie, right? You yeah. know, he's involved in the bell-bottom song by John Spencer Blues Explosion. And then he looks to the left and sees them. They're not murdering people, but they're shooting guns off and, like, you know, kind of pushing people around and being really aggressive with them in the bank. And it freaks him out a little bit. And he immediately switches attention back to the the music and the road. Like, no, I can't think about that or else I'll get too jittery about yeah. it. Um, you know, and even late in the movie, John Hamm tells him that he's going to have to face the music eventually. And it's not just a pun. Like, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Um, I really like that, too. I thought it was a cool way to... Um, it, it, it doesn't feel like having your cake and eating it, too. Because yeah. it comes at a cost. Yeah. Which is, one, his hearing. Yeah. And two, uh, you know, five years of his life. And he understands, like, I think that does a really good job showing that he understands that he can't just be not guilty of these things. Yeah. But they give him 25 years with five, a possibility of parole in five years, and then he's just an impeccable prisoner because... He doesn't want to stay in the life of crime, so yeah. why would he get involved with more of that in prison, you know? Yeah. It shows him being essentially a model citizen, which, outside of his getaway driving, he kind of is. You know, he's yeah. just kind of a kid listening yeah. to his iPod and going to diners and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that the movie goes a long way to show you that his debts are paid. Yeah. Um, and I like that it ends with, you know, a finality of you know he this is this is the closing of this chapter in miles's life yeah. you know he can now officially put all this behind him he won't have to be on the run for the next 25 years he yeah. just gets to have a life now yeah. and i like that yeah. i don't know i think it's really great and hopeful and like a celebration of justice in yeah. a weird way yeah. um you know and and he doesn't have to just abandon Joe at the old folks' home. He can go and visit him or pick him up and take him out, you know? Like, yeah. He doesn't have to worry about never seeing him again, which yeah. would be a bummer because, yeah. like, that guy's great. Yeah. I don't know where they found character. that actor, but that guy's great. He's a great actor. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think the whole thing is just, a, it's a wholly satisfying experience yeah. with a couple minor problems. Yeah, but very, very minor and not movie killing by any standard. Not, it's no. Just, I would even say for me, just nitpicking. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Still great. I mean, because the guy still gets his comeuppance in the end, so... Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Justice gets served to everyone. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like, you know, justice happens to Baby, but he just goes through the right avenues to get it. Yeah. You know, he doesn't... It doesn't end up costing him his life. It ends up costing him five years of his life, and potentially yeah. 25. Like, you know, when he goes into... 25 years to life and enters into that sentence, he realizes there's 
a chance parole will be denied to him. Yeah. Um, but, and so he does everything in his power to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think that's fine. And, and I don't know. I, I like that ending. Um, yeah. some people had some problems with it, but mm. I don't really get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that. I like the title of the movie. Some people are complaining about the title of the Baby movie. Driver? Yeah, that's a good title. It's what he. It's who it's, he is and what he does. It's very literal. Yeah, and I don't know. It's named after a Simon and Garfunkel song. Like, I, it I don't works know. perfectly. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that title. No, that's a great title. Yeah, um, yeah. Go see it if you haven't. Yes. Uh, you know, if you're if you if you're on my Twitter or Facebook, you know I haven't shut up about it, and I probably <laughs> won't for a while, or maybe at least until War for the Planet of the Apes comes out. I am feeling the hype on that one a lot more now that we're baby drivers kind of out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's next week's episode. So mm-hmm. we'll be back next week to talk about our expectations for War for the Planet of the Apes and um, our thoughts. Our on thoughts on Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. I just ran through some uh, San Diego Comic-Con collectibles that if I were going to Comic-Con, I would be on the lookout for. Um, and uh, yeah, I also reviewed Baby Driver and writing over there. Uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10 because it's a real solid movie. Mm-hmm. Um and then I sometimes review over at KeithLovesMovies.com. Um, I'm going to be on the Underrated podcast uh, next week, I think, um, with Gabriel Green and James Hamrick, I think is his name. Mm. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about a movie that I... I don't think it's an underrated movie. I think it's an underseen movie or an overlooked movie called The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Oh, good one. Starring uh, Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck and Sam Rockwell. It's a great movie, but not enough people have seen it because it's a three-hour western that's mostly talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mostly talking and scenery. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I'm going to be on that podcast. Look for that soon. Um, and until next time, go, uh, listen to the baby driver soundtrack. Go Mm -hmm. see baby driver actually. Do yourself a favor and go see it. Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs>